Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. All right, so it's Thursday again. Um, you know, my favorite part of the week is sitting down with, um, you know, my friends on the internet and uh, discussing um, our lives and our troubles and our um, emotions. So, yeah, it's really something I look forward to. Um, James, I don't know about you, but my favorite part of that intro was the sincerity. <laughs> That's what I was going for, guys. That's what I was going for. So, guys, who would have thought that hosting a podcast would prepare James Hinchcliffe so well for being a lead commentator on a network, like a pretty big one, like, you know, one of the biggest. You know, it would have been cool, speaking of that podcast, if he had mentioned the podcast at all during that broadcast. So just, you know, real quick, real quick, three things. I'm going to open with uh, thank you, Alex. Kind of you to say uh second tim uh as soon as this podcast starts paying me the way nbc does for my work with them i'll be happy <laughs> to mention it and uh we don't see, have peacock and, money and at no time did it at, at no time did anybody actually say that this podcast prepared me for that at all if anything it made it that much more likely to swear on air and give opinions that would probably not fit in with like network protocol. So it was, it was probably actually a huge hindrance that we've been doing this show for so long. Well, as long as I can be an inconvenience in your life, I'm happy. Oh, with with <laughs> you do it with incredible ease, my friend. Incredible ease. But let's let's not focus on on that as much as we should Alexander Rossi bringing home some hardware from Road America in race number dose. Yep, no, I I, I got a single trophy. Um, <laughs> we are like, it feels like 12 races into a championship and I have a third place trophy. Complaining about so. a podium. Must be nice. <laughs> no, but like, it's it's been tough, guys. It's been really <laughs> difficult. We came off, you know, some really strong years and there was a lot of built up anticipation and excitement um, for this season and, and obviously as we've discussed at, at length you know that that all changed in March and um, we haven't really gotten the ball rolling a whole lot so yes it, it's good to to at least be on a podium once but I think we've definitely undershot our goals and expectations this year so um, it's hard not to be a little disappointed, but I mean, Tim does that on a daily basis in his normal life, so I guess well, he's used to it. I was just going to say, you know, you are, you are the only one having a hard 2020, so I do feel very good. <laughs> <laughs> this has only been a hard oh, year for man. Alexander Rossi, because he only has so one trophy not so far. fair. <laughs> so not yeah, I don't, fair. I don't, I don't think that's Timothy. That's right. <laughs> 
play nice. Okay, so so in all honesty, we've just come off a stretch of five races in essentially 14 days. It was like the most grueling marathon run. Started with the Indy GP, went to back-to-back uh, double headers at Road America and Iowa. So, I mean, Alex, from, from your standpoint, from the driver's standpoint... Like how how challenging was it to get through three weekends back to back to back with the back two being double headers? It's an interesting question, and I think I think it was harder from a mental standpoint than it was from a physical standpoint. Um, you know, I I think the the physicality is something we've talked about before. That the heat, um, you know, element with the aero screen, something that we were all discussing and concerned about and, and quite frankly, you know, we still need to, to address some issues with it. But um, fortunately on the ovals, um, you know, the the airflow is actually quite good. So even though Iowa was a double header and extremely hot um, and it, it usually a very physical race, there was plenty of airflow um, to, to kind of stay somewhat comfortable. And then, you know, with the, the, the moving of the drink bottle that we did after the, the horrors of the Indy GP, um, that kind of made Road America uh, a step better as well. So um, I think that's it was a testament to, to all the time that really all the drivers spend in the off season and, and during during the season every day in the week being at the gym and, and just doing everything you can to, to make sure you're as prepared as possible. If there was any sort of test um, for for us um, as as athletes, it was going to be in this these past couple of weeks. So. I think everyone got through it relatively unscathed, which which kind of um, again is a is a testament to to the levels of fitness that we all strive to have and, and need to have to be competitive. And um, with that being said, it's nice to have a couple of weeks off now just to kind of reset your mind more than anything because it's as you know, James, going from one sort of track to the next. You know, it's different driving styles, different methodologies um you're looking for different things from the car there's different strategies in play um depending on the on the type of track so um it's 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 difficult to kind of keep all that straight when you're doing it back to back to back um but yeah i mean it's uh it was tough um it had more lows than highs but uh we're still here kicking so um we'll take a couple (laughs) weeks off and see what middle Ohio brings well, so talk a little bit about the, you mentioned the mental strain of it all, right? And, and some of that is switching gears from different types of racetracks, but also on, on the double header weekends, each one, you had one day where there were three different sessions and like you're rolling up to the racetrack and your first, your first laps on track, that's only a few hours before the first race of the weekend, which is obviously a very different format and not something we normally have to do. So is was it a challenge doing those first days at the at Road America and at Iowa trying to get through three different sessions of practice qualifying in a race all in one go when it was your first day at the track? And like, talk a little bit about how challenging that was. You know, the biggest challenge was really, you know, going from Road America to Iowa and, and having you in pit lane and then you in the booth. That was, <laughs> that was tough. It's just yeah. a slow it's progression of getting way farther and farther from the Iowa. car. Yeah, no, so that was that was hard to adapt to. Um but no, you bring up a good point. Like it's it's very strange to to know that when you okay, so you, me, and and uh, Marco went out to dinner in Iowa on on Thursday night, right? And we were there, kind of looking at the menu, and it was like it felt like a like a setup day, like a normal just pre-event day, which it was. But then, like as I'm sitting there looking at the menu, I was like, well, I actually need to order something that I'm gonna want 
to kind of prepare me for a race tomorrow. Like it's, it still hasn't really dawned on me that the day after you show up at the track, you're going to be racing and it's going to count and it's going to matter. Cause usually you've got the whole, the whole next day, day and a half to kind of find your rhythm and, and work your way into, into being comfortable, um, with the car on the track that given year. Um, and you can kind of ramp into it, build into it. Now that's kind of gone. So it's a, uh, it is very, very weird. And I think if we ever get back to the point where we have our normal kind of weekend schedule, um, it's going to be like, you don't know what to do with like that second practice, the third practice session. It'll be like, uh, well, now what do we just pound around and like it's forced guys to to adapt and, and teams to adapt much quicker than they've had to in the past. Well, now I'm really curious. What is the difference that you would have like dinner wise three nights before a race, two nights before a race or the night before a race? So for me, the big thing is honestly just red meat because um, it, it takes your body like double the time of, of um, like chicken or fish to digest. So just thinking of things like that. Nothing, nothing too dramatic. So does it, is it, okay, so like I know that for me on, on if you're looking at a traditional like three-day race weekend, right, mm-hmm. and you get to Saturday night, so basically the dinner that you're just talking about because it's the dinner before the race, and you're thinking about how your qualifying went, you're planning out your race because you know where you're starting and you know how your car feels and you know what the track's like, and it's like, it's, you know, Saturday nights are usually a little... I mean, stressful in the sense that you just, you've got a lot to think about. You've got a lot to consider. It's like everything's running through your mind. But when you haven't even turned a lap yet, is it like a lot calmer because you don't have, you don't know what to worry about yet? Like, are you worried about no. staying up front because you're starting up front? No, or are you I worried think, about getting up front because no, you start at the back? I think and, instead of worrying about like one thing, you're worrying about like 90. <laughs> <laughs> so it's more stressful because you have to worry about all of it in a 12-hour period. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. I'll be honest with you. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was uh, my experience with it. I think one thing we got to talk about is, um, you know, give a shout out to the teams. You know, it's been, it's been tough for them. Obviously, they, they had their world rocked when we did. Um, and now trying to fit as many races in and as short a time as possible, it, it puts a big demand on those guys. So I know, James, you, you gave them a shout out on, on air. Um, last Saturday, but I think it's important uh, for all the people to know that like this has been as tough, if not harder, for for those guys wrenching on the cars. So it's been a, a hell of a run. No, for sure. They, uh, I mean, at that that marathon stretch of you know that kind of fourteen days there, you got to think in between all the race weekends, they're still pulling you know eight hour shifts at the shop every day, and then on the race weekends themselves those days I talked about with three sessions, they're getting there at, you know, six o'clock in the morning, sometimes earlier. And we're not leaving the racetrack till after 10 o'clock at night. They're standing around in the garages all day, you know, in Texas heat or NDGP heat. And, uh, and then got to, you know, a lot of half of them have to throw on, you know, Nomex fire suits and hop over pit wall, you know, to perform during, during the pit stops in the race. So it's incredibly grueling for that entire group. And that's, that's true of the engineers and, you know, the, the truck drivers and everybody that gets us there. The only reason we're getting to go racing is because of the hard work and, and, and hours put in by all these people. And uh, that's true of IndyCar officials. That's true of the TV broadcast crew. You know, I got to see firsthand the, the hours that go into producing a show. And so, yeah, James, speaking of that, like I, I have a question. So 
unfortunately, you know, you're, you're spending time at the racetrack, um, not doing what you want to do, driving the race car, but at least you're still kind of there and collecting a, a paycheck of some sorts uh, with NBC. But is it, is it really hard for you considering most of your life is spent talking about racing with us and, um, you know, people close to you and, and your friends and, and such who are involved in racing? Is it hard to like, when you're on the air, differentiate from what you like can say and also can't say? Or is it like, is it, <laughs> how does that work? Like you're not allowed to make fun of Alex. That's a great air. question. Or, or call Santino uh, a dick. Well, no, you can't say that. <laughs> that. We can leave that in. That right? is yes. a great that is a great question, Alex. I think it's one that uh, that a few people probably have, and 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 the short answer is yeah, no, it's really hard because you're right. I mean, I've I've spent thirty years of my life talking about racing, you know, as as just a guy involved in the sport who has his opinions on you know X, Y, and Z. But when you're when you're in the in the booth or part of the broadcast, you know, you're just reporting on what's happening. N- nobody cares about what you think about driver x you've got to just kind of talk about what you're seeing and uh maybe you can give an opinion on something that happened on track from the driver's perspective it's about explaining what a driver is experiencing in a given you know situation uh and you know you can't swear which is another thing that was something i was super you know panicked about because it's not like i've had a ton of experience i did one race in the pits and then i went straight up into the booth and both i mean the pit lane is like a super stressful place to be hanging out during a race but no yeah it was it was a it was a cool experience everybody everybody on the nbc sports network crew was just so phenomenal to work with and you know, everybody that helped me get through the first weekend in Road America and pit lane and then, you know, in the booth side of things last weekend, it's been it's been fun. And you know what? It's like it's kind of interesting because as a as a driver, you know, like, you know, what's happening in your race. Right. And so the race ends and, you know, all the details of what happened to you. But when you and then you watch the race on TV when you get home and you learn a lot more about what happened in the race. But there's still so much that doesn't make the broadcast that we still kind of pick up on and see. And it's just not the right time to talk about it or you run out of time to talk about it. And so from where we watch and how we watch the race, I actually learned a lot about a bunch of drivers' days and how it went and where it went right, where it went wrong. And so there's actually some pretty cool things you, I think you can still learn you know, um, up there and and being in that role so basically what you learned is that simon and scott have access to a podium cannon that just they climb into and it fires them <laughs> off into podium land regardless of where nice. they start yeah um hey here's something we haven't talked about yet uh connor getting pole oh my god yeah <laughs> great point great um, point it was friend and an occasional co-host of the show connor daly um, that just feels like a great day for America. It was it was a phenomenal day. I was so happy for him. <laughs> I was I was as happy for him as I was surprised for him. But I think I think he was too because he's the first to tell you like Iowa is his least favorite racetrack that we ever go to, um, and that the last place on earth that he thought in, in his words he literally told James and I. If I had to choose where my first pole would be in IndyCar, there would literally be tracks that we don't race at anymore ahead of Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> he did say that. He did say that. And it's, it's funny. And the other thing, too, man, is like, remember, the, the, 
order for qualifying, right? So qualifying obviously is single car and uh, the order in which you go out is reverse championship position. And Connors actually had like a solid start to the year. Road America obviously was not great. You know, neither race there ended particularly well for him. So he'd fallen down a little bit. So it's not like he was near the top of the points, which would put you near the back of the line for qualifying. And traditionally, the further back in line you are, the, you know, the, the track gets slightly better. Usually that time of day, the conditions are getting a little better, a bit, bit cooler. So he did his lap time and it survived like like that not like like the midway of the session and it survived against the big hitters in you know arguably better track conditions so that was a super impressive performance from him and like a huge credit to the Carlin guys their first pole and in IndyCar and you know we were we were saying he was he's the first the first daily to get a pole in uh, in IndyCar cuz dad Derek best he ever did was the second place in qualifying so he's uh setting records in the family over there yeah, man, that was so that was so cool just seeing him on the broadcast, seeing him celebrate. Like everybody celebrates a pole, but seeing him go insane in the pit was Well what's yeah. also what's also cool is like it wasn't one of those I mean, we've seen in the past in IndyCar qualifying, you know, sometimes people throw down some miracle lap, right? He he backed it up twice in both races. Like, no, they didn't they didn't get a podium. They probably should have in in at least one of the races um yeah they gambled like, yeah. the pit in the second one right but it, it wasn't like they just fluked that and then he sunk like a stone you know during the race so i mean it it was a, a huge step for him huge step for carlin single car team and um yeah i mean it's it's going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out um here coming into the month of august which is really a weird thing to say it's a weird like thing it. to say can the we just of, still call the, it may the month of may delayed how's that can I have my, yeah, can my birthday be in August instead too? If we're doing that, nope. No, we've already celebrated that. Yeah, I'm but sorry. but we didn't celebrate it though. We didn't do anything. No, we, <laughs> well, we had to true. we had to abide by COVID rules. So I'm sorry <laughs> that your birthday is coming gone. That's not how that works. But yeah, I'm just going to refer to it as like the month of May is now just an event. It's not actually. I'm not Correct. literally referring to the month of May. I agree. I'm completely. referring to all things Indy 500. It's just a two week month of May event. Yes. It, is Tim coming in town for that? I hope. I don't not, know. Not, I mean, might as well. It's not like Hazel's got school. I mean, I'm 50-50 on it. I don't know. I, got, wow. I really, I don't want to miss the 500. I, I, I missed one 500 in the last 25 years. So I really don't want to miss it, but it does feel kind of ridiculous that like, hey, my daughter can't go to in-person school, but I'm going to fly halfway across the country to go to a race. Yeah, but, okay, I'm not even going to argue that. To, the, the, here's the thing, though, is like you're not essential, so you actually wouldn't be allowed in. You'd be watching from outside. I think when they let a hundred thousand people in, I think I'm I'm on that list. I've got to be at well, least I mean, in the top. I'm 100, pretty sure those people. I'm fairly certain those tickets are already spoken for <laughs> because there's like a lot <laughs> I of season still ticket have holders. My hard card. Yeah, that, there's a lot of people with hard cards that aren't allowed at the track, bud. At the five hundred. Yeah. Oh, the the rules really for matter. us are apparently not actually changing, so it's still going to be 20 personnel per car and, like, almost no commercial staff and limited. Here's what you do. Drive, drive Alex's, be Alex's bus driver and park his bus and the thing, and then you just can't leave the motorhome. No, thank but you. But then you're there. <laughs> no, no, thank you. I'm barely licensed to drive a car, and Alex has seen me do racing. I don't think he's going to trust me with that bus. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> through the tunnel. <laughs> it would just get stuck. I don't. I don't think he's worried Race about the tunnel. Race delayed. Couldn't get in. Street would do me in. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, so because I've been told by many people, including now the official Andretti Autosport Twitter account, that I'm not a not essential and can't go to race, so I've had to find other things to do uh, this summer. So Hazel and I have gone camping a lot, and uh, and so we went up to Big Bear last week, and uh, and I brought my tent and brought my dog and everything, and Liza. Alex's lovely assistant, whom we all think is great, uh, made fun of me a lot for, uh, she said I was glamping. And I want to get your guys' opinion on what, what makes the difference between camping or glamping. First of all, I witnessed what you had set up. Okay. That is the farthest thing removed from glamping that I've ever seen in my life. You had a tent had and a picnic bench. Yeah. I, I did and that have, was I it. I had the air mattress and and Hazel's yeah Hazel's no so princess yeah so here right here's the thing you you definitely you had a ten person tent for two of you you had a queen size air mattress so yeah James. did you have some some luxury I no. did bring my maybe soda but but hang on <laughs> okay well now you're not helping your own cause here but <laughs> here's the deal I think there's one really easy way to separate camping from glamping right okay if you had to build it yourself it ain't glamping. Okay, see that that's my opinion. So you, did I bring a lot of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I brought my soda stream because that's fine. I like bubbly water. You've got to carry it. Uh, I did bring well, a fresh in, in the picture he sent of the tent, it was at like three and a half feet from his car, so he didn't have to carry much. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. He had to bring it. I did I did bring my I did bring a French press. I don't know if that because I like coffee in the Yeah, it's, I mean, these are just these are just bad these are just bad life choices. I don't think it's got anything to do with a camping glamping argument. Glamping is like some tent pavilion that's set up off the wing of the Four Seasons in Tahiti, and it's um, you know only considered not in the hotel because you're in the middle of the wilderness. Um, you still have cable, air conditioning, running water. That's glamping. Yeah, I mean, I feel like. Setting up your own tent, inflating your own air mattress. I mean, what's again, what is I'm, one thing not, that you would consider if you brought camping that would make it glamping? An air conditioner. So wait, did you want us to rag on you? But I don't know. I can't because I don't agree. I don't yeah, agree with Liza. Liza's Just because wrong. some people, some people's you know definition of camping is like sleeping in their backpack yeah, and not like feeding or showering the themselves yeah. for seven days. You know, like living in a in a in a in a linen backpack, yeah, not a linen, what is studying, it, like a canvas studying, sack. Studying botany so they know which plants they can eat. Like, no. Yeah. So whatever. I mean, like the soda stream in the French press, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a, it's a bold strategy. But it doesn't affect the fact that it's camping if it's not like a semi-permanent structure. That's glamping. I did bring my or, butler. Or like a 45-foot bus. <laughs> but did you, have, did, you have to, did you have to build his tent too? Because then it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, if you if you if you're rocking a class A motorhome, that's not like camping camping. No, even if you're in a you no. know a camping lot, even, even if that it, literally even has if, all the luxuries. Even if you're like in a like a like a converted Dodge van, like that's not really camping. Well, I guess my other thing is okay. I don't think I was glamping either. You know, we started Hazel and I started our own fires. I just had a box of matches. You know, didn't bring anything for that, and we cooked everything on the fire. I'll, um, 
But if you want to glamp, I don't care. Go glamp. Go do whatever you want for your vacation. I don't get why there's like the the, the level of people who look down on other vacationers. You're taking you're taking your your opinions of people's theories on camping from one of the most opinionated human beings on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Look, so. glamping is great. I I would happily go glamping. I would happily go camping. There's a there's room for all of it. I would not, ha- it doesn't I have would to not be camp. like camp. I am uninterested in camping. I no, I could not see you ten miles within camping. <laughs> like I don't See, no. that's funny. I I I think you'd love it, man. Because it's a it's a bunch of problem solving. It's a bunch of doing stuff like for yourself. Like you're like if something's broken in your house. You love going around and figuring out how to get it fixed. See, I agree. Yeah, even if you're calling except, somebody to do it, I agree with you on this, James. Except for one glaring issue, all of the dirt. No, it's not the dirt. It's the not being able to set my bedroom to sixty two degrees. Well, I mean, hell, I was in Big Bear. It was in the forties. Huh? Well, I mean, now camping's looking pretty good. <laughs> it was also was it? absurdly dirty. Interesting. At uh, yeah, at nighttime it gets cold in the desert, bud. Well, Big I mean, Big Bear is definitely a mountain, and also uh, it doesn't... oh, I didn't, I don't know, but mountains also get cold. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyways, um, yes. Uh, still not for me. Still, still. still Come on, let's. Skip. Oh no! Now I really want to go on a camping trip with you. I really want to see. I think that you would actually enjoy it. Let's, cooking your own food, making the fire. You yeah, only want me it. to come so I can cook for you, James. Um, um, no, I want you to come because if I knew you were coming, I would I would invest in a higher quality of food with which to cook. <laughs> I'd still be happy to do it. I love I love cooking on on a grill. I did. I had a friend. If there's no like prep going and we're not you know sprinkling rosemary on stuff and you know using air fryers and all fancy things like that, putting. <laughs> You know, if it's just meat on a on a f- open flame, sign me up, man. I, can I, do that. Uh, I did I did sprinkle some rosemary on my on my food. You gotta, you gotta have it. Okay, gotta you were glamping. Rosemary. You were glamping. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I was laughing. I was talking with a neighbor friend of mine who was like, uh, "Oh yeah, I mean, I, I like camping, but uh, I just you got to do hot dogs over the fire. I can't do that." I was like. I don't know, man. I made a steak and a baked potato on the fire. Like you can do whatever. Yeah, fire is pretty good at cooking most things. Why? Because it's heat. Correct. <laughs> It's the OG heat. I think the takeaway from this is we got, what, three weeks till the next race. Alex, hop in my Ford Focus. I'll move the the car seat out of the way so we can get an extra sleeping bag in there. Let's go camping, buddy. You know what? I'm in. I would. Um, Totally in. But I can't because of COVID. Oh, yeah. No, that's the the reason. And also, it's got to be a a Honda product. Yeah, fair enough. Or else I'm out also. (laughs) Um, Well, this has been great, guys. I have to do um, one of the... Number one luxuries that exists in life. Um, I have to go take my dog to a groomer, so uh, that's me done for the day. It's the that's the non-vacation version of glamping. It is. <laughs> 100%. Well, we have uh, we have a couple weeks off before the next round at Mid Ohio, but thank you for tuning in, and we will check back in with you at some point after Alex's dog confirmed. <laughs>
we really need to get that changed to add producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that I mean Thim. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.